Namaste. Greetings. Welcome to Indigenous Insights. I'm your host, Gladys Rowe, and I'm so grateful you are here. Each episode, I sit in conversation with Indigenous evaluation practitioners, leaders, researchers, and scholars who are working in, thinking about, and supporting Indigenous evaluation to share the learning they've experienced along the way. My hope is that these episodes allow you to reflect on how to design, implement, learn from, and support evaluation by, with, and for Indigenous families, communities, organizations, and nations. Join me and my guests as we open up our evaluation bundles to share what we've gathered in our journeys and bring them together into this space. I hope in these stories you will come to understand how we can collectively contribute to decolonial futures and strengthen Indigenous resurgence. Dr. Melanie Nadeau, a.k.a. Dr. Mel, is an enrolled citizen of the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa Indians in Belcourt, North Dakota. She completed both her master's in public health and community education with a concentration in health disparities and her PhD in social behavioral epidemiology at the University of Minnesota School of Public Health. Dr. Nadeau is a community-engaged scholar and has worked more than 18 years on various research and evaluation projects within the American Indian community. She has successfully engaged a multitude of tribal health stakeholders from across the nation and is dedicated to improving the health and well-being of Native communities. Dr. Mel currently serves as Graduate Program Director and Assistant Professor for the Indigenous Health PhD program housed within the Department of Indigenous Health at the University of North Dakota School of Medicine and Health Sciences. Dr. Mel also serves on the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa Indians Research Review Board, the American Public Health Association's American Indian, Alaska Native, Native Hawaiian Board, and as program co-chair for the American Evaluation Association Indigenous Peoples in Evaluation Topical Interest Group. I work and my co-workers and my students call me Dr. Mel. Oh, yeah, because I, I just uh, finished the recording. I'm like, I wonder what I'm going to call her on the podcast. Um, okay, so uh, what I'll do right away is um, just thank her uh, showing up. And then I'll ask if you want to introduce yourself, um, you know, in any other way in addition to um to the bio that I have and then um and then we'll jump right in and you can also just so you know like the producers can cut things out if you're like oh that didn't go the greatest um I'm gonna try retry we can do all of that um in this space and I then I don't know if this thing is detecting me oh hang on let me just no problem sure. Okay, I believe it's burning. Okay, it is. Okay, let me back up. Discard. I have to trust the deal. Minnesota. Thank you so much for bringing yourself in in that way. I wanted to start because I know, you know, in the introduction that I shared about you, there's so many different roles that you hold and focuses that you have. And I know that this has been kind of a journey that you've taken over a couple of decades anyway. So I wanted to hear a little bit from you about what has this journey into Indigenous evaluation looked like for you? Where did it begin and how have you gotten to where you are right now? Yeah, so I was very fortunate when I went to the University of Minnesota School of Public Health to get my master's degree I ended up getting a graduate research assistantship right away with the Children, Youth, and Family Consortium. And as soon as I got there, that was my first position. And I was tasked with working with stakeholders that were involved around trying to improve parent involvement with their children's education. And I ended up doing my master's thesis with that group and conducting an evaluation of that particular collaborative. And you know, really explored the intersection between health and education disparities and how that impacts the, the education of these youth in the school systems. And it was very eye-opening and... It, in okay, I think it's recording me. Um, we could probably both turn off our cameras just so in case they're, that'll help with the Wi-Fi as well. And I feel like I want something up so that it's kind of... I don't know if it... I don't know where like the mics are at. Oh, that was the other one I wanted to talk to you about. So there's 
All right. Welcome, Dr. Mel. I'm so excited to uh, share the space with you today and uh, to jump both feet in uh, to this conversation that we've been waiting uh, a while for. Uh, before we get into you know some of the questions that I have prepared for you, I wanted to see, is there um, an introduction to yourself that you wanted to share to this space before we formally begin? Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to some time with you today. And um, Melanie Nadu, Indigenous Cause, Jawani Gijigoyikwe, Makwa Ndudam, Mikana Waju, Indujabar, Alvarado, Minnesota, um, Inda. So my name is Melanie Nadu. Uh, name is known, or my spirit is known as Southern Sky Air uh, Clan. And Turtle Mountain is where I come from. Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa Indians, and I live and dwell in Elvery. Master's program, I did take an evaluation class and um, working on my master's in public health and community health agenda with a concentration in health disparities and um, really getting trained uh, to be a research method at, at the core of that. The evaluation um, for me, when I, very, when I very first started my journey, I was really trying to figure out from research. And oh, that was one of the things that intrigued me about evaluation. And I realized, you know, very early on that it was a different process and a different way of doing the work. My, the next semester, I ended up getting another GRA uh, with the American Indian, uh, Community Tobacco Projects uh, and ended up uh, conducting the evaluation for that. Uh, one of their initiatives, there was a couple of it's underneath that, the American Indian uh, Community Tobacco Survey where I really started learning how to write surveys, how to make sure that they were culturally appropriate, um, looking at the harmful of commercial tobacco, but then also honoring the medicine, um, the traditional tobacco that uh, for the people. And how do we write that into a survey? And um, because there was so much good about the traditional medicine, actually. And so started really ground the work culturally so that it was um, digestible to the community, important to them, and uh, coming from their perspective. And the initiative that was underneath those was Circles of Tobacco Wisdom. And Circles uh, circles of Tobacco Wisdom was um, that would come together monthly. They would have um, talking circles and, uh, you know, prayer circles. They'd open up with smut, um, the feather, and, you know, take turns. Um, in the circle, no one was above and the Eddie was equal. And I was tasked with with the evaluation of um, these gatherings with, with these elders. And there was four cohorts of elders that I worked with. And it was it was just really, really sacred. Very blessed that I was able to be involved in that work um, in the Twin Cities, uh, where you can feel very disconnected. But um, because I was able to work on those types of projects, I felt very connected to community, even though I was, you know, six hours away from my uh, reservation, the Turtle Mountain down to Chippewa Indians. And so um, I don't think that I would have done as well as if I hadn't been uh, involved in that even from the onset. Those are some wonderful examples. And uh, thank you for the experience that that initially um you know, sparked your and uh, really moved you forward from from your master's program there. Um, wondering if you could share with me. I love um, the example you shared with the fo- four cohorts of elders. Uh, what were some of the um, mechanisms that you used when you were gathering? Uh, you know the um, the information to to evaluate that work. Yeah, so it's so interesting because I didn't, <laughs> if I'm going to be honest about it, it's like I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and they said of evaluating this, I was a graduate research assistant. I had, I didn't have, you know, experience really um, doing that. And I had taken a class, but I didn't really, um, really grab me at my core. And I think looking back at it now, it's because evaluation wasn't presented in a way, um, in a way that made sense to me. And, you know, years later, 19 years now, I look back and I realized that it didn't grab a hold of me because evaluation is very valued. Um, and if you're working within somebody else's framework, the results. And I just stood in that moment 
And it just struck me. It's like, because that's not in alignment with our values. You know, there's, there's this underlying piece, you know, value that if you ask somebody for something that you should be willing to give, and you may be asked to serve in a different capacity than, you know, what you're doing because you're viewed as a resource, your gifts are honored. And, you know, the people that you work with might ask you to do X, Y, or Z, and it might not be in direct alignment with the initiative that, that you're doing. And I think that's a piece of the work that is unique, but also that I really appreciate. And so that really stuck with me. And I thought, you know, the first people that I'm always going to think about, whether I'm doing research or evaluation, are the people that this information is coming from. And they're always going to be a priority, and they're always going to take the front seat when it comes to getting back the results. And I have another example that I'll share with you on that as we kind of go down my journey. But then the other things, you know, working with the elders, I let them define things. So, you know, they bought t-shirts. We had money in our grant back the results. And I just stood in that moment and, you know, um, it just struck me. It's like, because that's not in alignment with our values. You know, there's, there's this underlying uh, value that if you ask somebody for something that you should be willing to give, and you may be asked to serve in a different capacity than, you know, what you're doing, because you're, you're, you view, you're viewed as a resource, your gifts are honored. And, um, you know, the people that you work with might ask you to do X, Y, or Z, and then be in direct alignment with the initiative that, that you're doing. And, I think that's a piece of the work that um, that uh, is unique, um, but also that really stuck with me. And I thought, you know, the first people that I'm always going to think in research or evaluation are that this information is coming from, and they're always take um, they're always a priority. Always going to take the front seat when it comes um, getting back the risk. and that other example that I'll share with you on that um, as we kind of, but. Uh, then the other, the elders, um, I let them define things. You know, they they bought T-shirts. We had we had money in our in our uh, our grant. He leads everything that I do, even for my research. And I, I love being a methodologist because I bring my toolbox and I say, "Here's some ideas. What do you think?" And you know, if they want me to make a decision, then if they ask me to, then I will. Otherwise, I give them the space to do that. And so. On the brochures, they included, and they all came out different, and they were all so beautiful. And two of the cohorts actually brought in their grandson or granddaughter to put the art. And so they actually honored their grandchildren and put their art on their brochures. And so a lot of really neat things happened with that project. They learned how to you know, grow traditional tobacco and they all started their seeds and it was really interesting at the end of that whole thing we worked our way all the way up to the policy level policy considerations and once they found out how the tobacco industry manipulated them you know manipulated our people the elders were really offended and we actually had a few elders that quit smoking even though they had smoked all of their life just knowing that they were being targeted and manipulated by the tobacco industry totally changed their perception and they actually started going into schools and uh, going to the capital leads everything. Um, I just, I, I love being a methodologist because I bring my toolbox and I say, Hey, this is some ideas. What do you think? Um, and you know, if they want me to make a decision, then if they ask me to, then I will. Um, otherwise I give them, give them the, the, to do that. And so the brochures, they um, include, and they all came out different and they were also, um, and uh, two of the co actually brought in our you know, grandson or granddaughter to put the art. And so they actually honored their, their, their grandchildren, their art. And so a lot of really, a lot of really neat things happened with that project. Um, they learned how to, uh, you know, grow tobacco traditional and they all started their seeds and it was really interesting at the end of the whole thing um way all the way up to the policy level policy consumed when they once they found out how the tobacco tree manipulated them you know manipulated our elders were really offended and we actually had a few elders that quit smoking even though they had smoked all of their life um just knowing that being targeted 
manipulated by the tobacco industry totally changed their mission and they actually started going into schools and realized that you needed to actually start from a different place. And so in the work that I do, I talk about my evaluation journey, my evaluation learning. I actually continue to learn a lot more from community than I did from the evaluation courses that I took back in my master's program. So, you know, there's a lot to say about how that needs to change itself, but also there's so much value in our ways within our communities and how we can just continue to learn about the implementation of our values in evaluation. So I'd love to hear, you know, kind of where you went from there in terms of your evaluation journey. And you said you kind of had this realization looking back that, you know, the work that you do is really values-based. I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about that and where you went next. So I ended up, well, I went on for my doctorate, social behavioral epidemiology, and, you know, I worked for the Community Tobacco Projects for five years. And so I had the honor of working with these elders for about five years. And then I got recruited out of graduate school to launch the American Indian Public Health Resource Center at North Dakota State University. And it was pretty interesting. Realized that you you needed to actually start from a different place. And so work that I do, I taught in journey, evaluation learning, I actually continue to learn a lot more from than I did from, um, you know, the evaluation courses that I took back in my master's. Um, and so how that needs to change itself. Um, but also, uh, there's so much value in our ways within our communities and how um, and just continue to learn about um, the implementation of our value in evaluation. So I'd love to hear, uh, you know, where you went from there in terms, you said you kind of had this realization looking back that, you know, the work that you do is really valued. Uh, I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about that and, and where you went next. So, so I ended up um, getting recruited. Uh, well, I went on for my doctorate, social behavioral epidemiology, and, you know, I worked for the community tobacco projects for five years. And so I, I had the option with these elders for about five years. <clears throat> and, um, and then I got recruited out of uh, graduates to the American Indian Public Health Resource Center at North Dakota, North Dakota State University. And it was kind of, it was, it was pretty interesting. It was the first time that they had ever allowed the space for that. And I'll actually have a publication coming out in Ritz and Relations this summer that really goes into depth, just from a process standpoint from our center, how we did the work and how we actually applied a framework. Because frameworks are nice. They give you a lot of nice ideas, but they don't really translate to the ground. How do you translate that framework into actually doing the work? And so we decided that what we were going to do is we were going to work with the communities, meet them where they were at, and build capacity around evaluation because evaluation, much like research, had a bad name. And we needed to work to uh, destigmatize that process. And there had been things that had been done before that communities were like, oh, great, we got to do evaluation. And it's just like, ugh, you know, and the way that it was being done was so. I would just say that it was very limiting. It was limiting the process. And I feel very comfortable working on the front line. I feel very comfortable not knowing the answers. And I feel very comfortable being innovative and allowing space for creativity. And I feel like a lot of, you know, in the event, it was the first time that they had ever allowed uh, the space for that have a public relations this summer that uh, really uh, goes in depth um, just from a process standpoint from our center, um, how we did the work and how we actually applied a framework. Frameworks are nice. Uh, they give you a lot of nice ideas, and um, but they don't really translate to the ground. How do you translate that framework um, into actually doing the work? We decided that what we were going to do is we were going to... Um, work with the communities, um, meet them where they and build capacity around evaluation because evaluation, uh, much like research, you know, had a bad, had a bad name. And uh, we needed to work to uh, destigmatize that process and been things that had been done before that uh, communities are like, oh, great, we got to do evaluation. And it's just like, ugh, you know, and um, 
the way that it was being done was so say that it was very limiting. It was limiting the process. And it was I I I feel very comfortable, very comfortable not knowing the answers. And I feel very comfortable being innovative and allowing space for creativity. And I feel like a lot of uh, you know, in the event that's a win. And that's, you know, that's innovation and that's something that we can work with. That really resonated with the tribes. You know, we worked with 10 of the 11 tribes in Minnesota and that, you know, stood out to them. And then we went into this activity where, you know, they had to introduce themselves. We did an icebreaker and we said, you know, okay, you're going to sit down, you're going to draw out who you are. You don't have to be an artist, you know, draw whatever is important to you. And then we're going to pick up your card. We're going to scramble them in the front of the room and then call you up and you pick a card, but you can't read your own card. But if you read your own card, you have to put it back and select a different one. And then that's a win. And that's, you know, that's innovation. And that's something that can be um, worked with. And, you know, um, uh, so, I mean, it was just like really exciting for, for, um, Hang on just a second. I got to pause for a minute. No problem. Sorry about that. Not a worry. I have a little one back here. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, um, now I lost my train of thought. Oh, you know, all knowledge is good knowledge. Yes, all knowledge is knowledge. And so... That really resonated with the with the tribes. You know, we worked we worked with ten of them. That really resonated. You know, stood out to them. Um, and then um, we went into this activity where we we uh, introduced themselves. We did an icebreaker. Said, you know, okay, you're going to sit down. You're going to draw out who you are. You don't have to be an artist. You know, draw whatever to you. And then we're going to card. We're going to scramble and scramble them in the front of the room. And then call you up and you can, you pick a card, but you can't read your own card. If you read your own card, you put it back and select a different one. And then, and, you know, maybe there was the word love and love was always present. <laughs> it was always there, but love, trust, bravery. And they would write out all of these values that were important to them. And then we'd say, okay, now define that within the context of your work. So they would go, you know, they go through and they say, okay, like, how do I describe this word within the context of my work? And they wrote it all out and, you know, but it just really got them grounded into their theoretical framework, their worldview. And so they got to start from a place that was important to them. Then we went on and we did this process of reverse logic modeling. And so we had a big sticky wall and it just literally covered the whole wall. And we had all these different sticky notes and facilitated the conversation. And I guess that's another thing that was different with our evaluation is that we did it as a team and the communities really liked that. So it wasn't just one person coming out saying, well, I'm here to evaluate, you know, give me your information and I'll come up with something. It was really a process right from the beginning. And so, you know, we did this reverse logic modeling process with them and we said, okay, you know, start what I should say, it didn't start right from the beginning of the project. It started, you know, because they had like two years with the mainstream evaluation, but it wasn't working out. So, was, and, you know, maybe there was the word love and love was always present. <laughs> it was always there. Um, but love, um, trust, you know, bravery. And they, they would write out all of these um, values important to them. And then we'd say, okay, that within the context of your work, and they would go, you know, they go through and they say, okay, like, how do I, how do I describe this word within the context of, of my work? And they wrote it all out and, you know, but it just really got them grounded um, into their theoretical framework, their worldview. And so they got to start from a place of, that was important to them. Then we went on reverse logic modeling. And so we had a big sticky wall and it just literally covered the whole wall. And we had all these different sticky notes and um, facilitated the conversation. And I guess that's another thing that was different with um, evaluation is that we did it as a team and the community is really that. So it wasn't one person, oh, you know, give me your information and I'll come up with something. Um, it was really a process right from the beginning. And so, you know, we did this reverse logic modeling process with them and we said, okay, um, you know, start, 
uh, what I should say, it didn't start right from the beginning of the project. It started, you know, because they had like two years with the mainstream evaluation, but it wasn't working around programming to get our initiatives funded in a way that makes sense for us. And so, you know, we fleshed out all of their work and then we compared it to the state work plans. And we realized that over 50% of the activities that these programs were doing were not being reported on the state tool because the tool was from the state perspective and it wasn't allowing space. It was actually stifling their reporting process and it wasn't allowing the space from a cultural based view to share their successes. Wow, what a journey. And I cannot wait for that article to come out in Roots and Relations to be able to share that everywhere. It sounds like it was quite an experience for you and your team to be able to support communities in that way. One of the things that you touched on there was about like, well, a lot of the things about why Indigenous evaluation is important. And I wondered if I could just kind of probe a little bit to ask you to make some of those connections explicit. So for you, why is Indigenous evaluation important for us and our communities? For me as a methodologist uh, around programming to, to uh, get our initiatives funded in a way that makes sense for us. And so you know, about all of their work. And, and then we compared it to the state uh, work plans. And we realized that over 50% of the activities that these programs were doing were not being report, reported on the, um, the state uh, tool because the tool was from the state perspective and it wasn't allowing space, actually stifling their reporting process and it wasn't allowing the space from a cultural base to share their successes. Wow, what a journey. And I cannot wait for that article uh, to come out in Roots and Relations to be able it sounds like it's quite an experience for you and your team to be able to support um, communities in that way. The things that you touched on there was about like, well, a lot of the things about why Indigenous evaluation is important. And I wondered if we could, if I could just kind of probe. So for you, why is Indigenous evaluation important for us and our communities? You know, for me as a methodologist, our evaluation is just an underutilized tool. It's misunderstood. And I feel like it's an opportunity that we can really build capacity with in a way that makes sense for our communities. And we can actually advance the health and well-being of our communities using this tool. When we were working out with the Minnesota tribes, all of them would say, how do we measure community-wide impact? We want to look at things. We don't want to look at, you know, Joe smoking or, you know, diabetes. I think they were working on diabetes, nutrition, education, and then tobacco projects. It's like, we don't want to look at like these individual, we want to look at the collective. We want to see how this is impacting our community as a whole. And so being a methodologist and a researcher, I'm like, you can do that. You can actually apply a research methodology to your evaluation implementation and measure community-wide impact. And that is something that they wanted to do. And so, you know, one of my publications that I recently come out with, I just said that, you know, the more that we can identify opportunities to build protective factor rich environments and invest in that, yes, investing at the community wide level is expensive. But I would say that we are dealing with the, our evaluation under tool. It's understood. And I feel like that we can really. Um, build capacity in a way that makes sense for our communities. That's the health and well-being of our communities. Um, we're working out uh, in with the Minnesota tribes. All of them would say, measure community-wide impact. We want to look at things. We don't want you know, Joe smoking or, you know, diabetes. I think they were working on diabetes, um, nutrition. Uh, education and then tobacco projects. We don't want to look at like these individual, we want to look at the collective. 
we want to see how this is impacting as a whole. And so being a methodologist and a research and implementation and measure community-wide impact, that is something that, you know, one of my publications that I come out with, I just said that the more that we can identify opportunities to build uh, protective factor rich environments and invest in that, invest by level is excessive. But I would, because we know like for our youth, we know that, you know, sexual health leads to cancer over the lifespan. Well, sexual health indicators, we know that um, diet, physical activity, nutrition related indicators lead to cancer over the lifespan. We also know that substance use related behavior leads to cancer over the lifespan. What we don't know is what is the risk and protective factor for those cancer-related indicators for our youth. And I'm currently, that's my main research that I work on. I'm currently working with my community, and I'm just now working with my community to build capacity to do this work. And I have an individual that works for me, a doctor that works for me, that's in Turtle Mountain, and he's currently scheduling key informant interviews and focus groups. And I work with the community to figure out the process, like how they wanted the focus groups done, who they wanted interviewed, what they want done in, to build this tool and to explore what are these risk and protective factors that are present within Turtle Mountain. And eventually we're going to you know, create this tool, we're going to validate this tool, and then we're going to administer this tool to the youth. So you know, at one time, back to my younger self, I never would have thought that because I've always wanted to work with the youth ever since I started. In fact, because we know, like, for know that, uh, you know, sexual health leads to cancer over the lifespan. Um, we know that, uh, well, sexual health indicators, we know that um, diet, physical activity, nutrition related indicators lead to cancer over the lifespan. We also know that substance use related behavior leads to cancer over the What we don't know is what is the risk and protective for those cancer-related for our youth. I'm currently, that's my main research that I work on. I'm currently working with my community, um, just now uh, working with my community to build capacity to do this work. And I have an individual that's uh, that works for me, a doctor that works for me, that's out and he's currently scheduling um, key informant interviews and, and um, focus groups. And I work with the community to figure out the process, like how they wanted the focus groups done, who they wanted interviewed, um, what they want done as tool, and to explore what are these risk and uh, protective factors that are present within Turtle Mountain. And eventually, we're going to you know, create this tool, we're going to validate this tool, and then we're going to administer this tool uh, to the youth. And so, you know, at one time, you know, back to my younger self, I never would have thought that because I've always ever since I started. Um, in fact, and then, but I said they're going to have the final say. So I brought them my ideas, and they're like, "Well, no, you know, we want you to approach it this way, that way." They adjusted my questions, and then they said, "We want you to actually to interview the youth, and we want you to interview adults, but we want you to have focus groups with behavioral health specialists. We want you to have focus groups with." like principals and, and things like that in, in the school systems, administration. We want you to have a focus group with the teachers. And then we want you to have a focus group with the uh, cultural knowledge bearers. And so they totally flipped my design right on its... <laughs> and I welcomed it. I was happy. I was like, this is great. you know. And they just felt like the touchy subject would not be good for the youth to be in focus groups together and that they would need to have their their private space to do those things. So, so coming back, you know, to impact, I think that evaluation can definitely measure impact at at various levels. But you know, the point that I wanted to make is that there's so much in the literature that we can use to our advantage to say, hey, we know X leads to Y or Y leads to Z, but we don't know what you know X to Y is, but we know what Y to Z is, and so we can use that in framing our initiatives. And, you know, when I was younger, I would say, oh, geez, there's no way that I could. And, but I said, they're going to have the final say. So I brought them my ideas and they're like, well, no, you know, we want you to approach it this way, that way. They adjusted my questions. And then they said, we want you to actually to interview the youth and we want you to interview adults, but we want you to have focus groups with behavioral health. Staff. We want you to have focus like polls and things like that in, in the school system, administration. We want you to have uh, 
a focus group, we want you to have a focus group uh, with the uh, cultural knowledge bearers. And so I'm right on its, <laughs> this is great, you know, and, um, but uh, they just felt like the, the touchy subject would not be good for the youth to be in focus groups together and that, you know, that they, they would, they would need to have them. Um, so coming, you know, to impact, I think that um, uh, evaluation can definitely measure impact at, at various levels, but, you know, the point that I wanted there's so much in the that we can use to our advantage to say, hey, we know X, you know, we know X leads to Y or Y leads to Z. We don't know what, you know, X to Y is, but we know what Y to Z is. And so we can use that in framing our initiatives. And, you know, when I was younger, I would say, oh, geez, there's no way that I could. This conversation, because the examples that you've been giving really illustrate that, you know, who is doing this work matters. It matters at the research level. It matters at intervention design. It, it matters at tool development. It matters at evaluation. It, it matters in funding spaces. So who is doing this work matters because the way that we see the world and tell the stories of the world is different. And it goes back to kind of the connection that you made to listening to your gut at the beginning when you were, you know, a graduate research assistant working in those community circles. Like, what does our gut tell us? Our gut is connected to our worldview and our values. I sound really excited because I like I, I am excited. I'm like, oh, you just <laughs> you just have this thread that has gone through all of the conversation that I just wanted to honor. So thank you for for drawing that out. Yes. And I would even go as far as to say that, you know, there's two other things that I'd like to touch on um, specifically, but even when it comes to the translation of the information out to community, that step is so very important as well. And I'm working with an individual, you know, that I mentor other Native scholars on how to publish their this conversation because the examples that you've been giving really illustrate that, um, you know, work matters. It matters at the research level. It matters at intervention design. It, it matters at tools, at evaluation. It, it matters in funding space. So who is doing this work because the way that we see the world and and tell the stories of the world is different. Um, and it goes back to kind of the connection that you made to listening to your gut at the beginning when you know, uh, a, a graduate research assistant working in those community circles. Like, what does our gut tell us? Our gut is connected to our world and our values. Um, I sound really excited because I like you just you just have this thread that has gone through all of the conversation that I just wanted to um, to honor. Thank you for from that out. And go as far as to say that the you know there's two two other two other things that I'd like to touch on um, specifically, but even to the translation of the information um, out to community, that's very important as well. And I'm working with a an individual, you know, that um, I'm uh, other Native uh, scholars on how to publish their, just wanted me to frame it within the seven teachings. Oh, I said, wow, that's really cool. Hey, why don't we pull your data and reframe it in a cultural perspective in a cultural framework? <laughs> so now I'm moving into the space of actually reframing the translations of findings from a cultural view that makes sense from the community perspective. And then she's so excited. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for this. And I said, okay, now, now these values, you need to define them within the context of your work. So now it's kind of the back-end process, right? We, you know, Normally you do that in the beginning, but then if you're going to do that for results, then you do that on the backside and you, fr you frame it within that to translate it back out so that it makes sense within the context of the work that's being done. Another thing that's really been fun is I teach Indigenous evaluation frameworks and I have students that come in and I teach them how to relate tribal processes, tribal teachings and processes with evaluation process. Or, you know, we, we ran a data science academy. Can you align tribal process with the data science cycle? And, you know, I have this student that's really good at it. I'm like, you're going to be a theorist. I already see it. You're, that's that's what you're going to do. And she said, okay, you wanted me to... Oh, I said, wow, 
that's really cool. Hey, why don't we pull your data and cultural perspective in a cultural framework? <laughs> so reframing the translations of findings from a, a, a you know, a, a culture view that makes sense um, from the community perspective. And then she's so, I'm so excited for this. And I said, okay, now, now these, these, you know, values, find them within the context of your work. So now it's kind of the back end process, right? You know, you know, normally you do that in the beginning. If you're going to do that for results, then you do that on the backside and you, fr- you frame it within that to translate it back out um, so that it makes sense within, within the context of the work that's being done. Um, another uh, thing that, you know, I, that's really been fun is I teach Indigenous evaluation frameworks and I have students that come in and I teach them how to create uh, tribal processes, tribal teachings, um, and process evaluation process. Uh, so, or, you know, we, we ran a data sign um, with the data cycle. And, you know, I have this student that's really good at it. I'm like, you're going to see it. You're, that's, that's what you're going to do. And, you know, she, she said, but, you know, she went in there and like we had these, me and the student, we just worked together to facilitate these conversations. And, you know, the first day we had them broke out into groups and then, they all these stickies everywhere, and then we reframed them within the social ecological model to see what level things were falling at, and then we translated all this information, you know, back into a community report. And then the people that pulled me in, they said, "Well, what about a report? Because we want to write a white paper." I said, "Well, write a white paper then." <laughs> I said, "I said I'm doing the community report. That's what I came in, and, and you know, remember I said that's my first priority when I do this work, and." That's where everything goes is into the community report. And people are just not used to that. But now that they're seeing that's coming out of it, because my student, whenever the individuals at that session were, there was probably like 60 individuals that were introducing themselves. And we actually managed to get them to introduce themselves in 60 minutes, believe it or not. How did we do that? The three by five card. Write who you are, draw who you are. We gave them five minutes to draw who they were. And then they stood up and described their card. And they were able to do that within a minute. So we went through 60 introductions in an hour. And then she, when they were introducing herself, she was sitting there, you know, and she created a word cloud. And the biggest thing in that word cloud that came that rose to the top was family. But, you know, she went in there and like we had been, we just worked together to see conversation, broke out into groups and then all these stickies everywhere. And then we we reframed them within the social ecological model to see what level things were falling at. And, and, uh, and then we translated all this information back into a community report. And then the people that pulled me, well, what about a report? Because we want to write a white paper. I said, well, write a white paper. <laughs> I said, I said, I'm doing the community report. That's what I came in. And, and, you know, remember I said, that's the first, that's my first priority when I do this work. And, and that's the thing goes is into the community report and people are just not used to, you know, they're not, they're not used to, but now that they're seeing that's coming out of it, my student, when, when, you know, pe- whenever the individuals at that session were there was, that were introducing themselves and we actually managed to get them to introduce themselves in 60 minutes, believe it or not. How did we do that? The three by five card, write who you are, who you are. We gave them five minutes to draw who they were. And then they stood up and described their card and they were able to do that within a minute. So, and then she, when they were interested sitting there, um, you know, and she created a word cloud. The biggest thing in that word cloud that came that rose to the top was family. And, you know, so yeah, I have a lot of fun with the work I do bringing these methods that are rooted in indigenous evaluation and actually applying them across the continuum. And it's been very effective. That sounds like an amazing opportunity. And I love that you share that you're teaching indigenous evaluation frameworks within the program and what an opportunity for building capacity for indigenous evaluators, which is needed so badly, (laughs) you know, that capacity for us to do this work for our communities alongside with our communities. When you think about the field of Indigenous evaluation and, you know, new evaluators, emerging evaluators, what else is needed to support or strengthen this field based on your experiences and observations? I think that you know, the more opportunities that we can 
have to work in partnership with community because you can't learn Indigenous evaluation in the classroom. You know, you can hear examples, but until you're out there actually doing these processes and seeing how effective they are, like my student, she's just like, you know, um, so yeah, I have a lot of fun with the work I do. Um, uh, these methods that are actually applying them across the continuum, and it's been very effective. That sounds like uh, an amazing opportunity. And, and I love that you share that you're teaching evaluation frameworks within the program. And what a capacity for Indigenous evaluators, which um, is, is badly <laughs> us to do this work for our communities alongside with our communities. Um, when you think about uh, the field of Indigenous evaluation, and um, you know, new evaluators, emerging evaluators. What else is needed to support or strengthen based on your experiences and observations? I think that you know the um, have to work in partnership with community uh, because you learn indigenous in the classroom. You have to have some. You know, you can hear examples, but until you're out there doing these processes and seeing who they are. Like my student, she's just like, maybe coming out. I'm just trying to figure out how to translate this process within the classroom. The last, you know, well, this fall will be the third time that I'm teaching the class. And so the first two years I had the cohorts, their final project is to create a, an Indigenous evaluation toolkit. And you can imagine, I mean, we have... 40, you know, eight students in our classroom. And I think during my class, I have my, maybe 10 to 15 students at a time for each cohort. But, you know, they represent people from across Turtle Island. So having a toolkit that brings up these general things and considerations that apply to us all. And that's really what I want to come out of this Indigenous evaluation class is this collective, because I have this opportunity. Never in my lifetime would I have thought that I'd be sitting at a university, you know, I co-launched the Indigenous Health PhD program with Dr. Donald Warren. And now, you know, he's moved on to Hopkins and I'm sitting here with this program and I'm just like, I never thought I'd be in this space, in this place of teaching majority native doctoral students. And I feel so very privileged and honored to be in this space. Out. Um, I'm just trying to figure out how to translate this process within the classroom. Uh, the last, you know, well, this fall will be the third time that I'm teaching the class. Um, so the uh, first two years I had the cohorts, um, their final project is to create a, an Indigenous evaluation uh, toolkit. And, you know, and you can imagine, I mean, we have 40, you know, eight students in our, in, our, in our classroom. And I think during my class, I have my, maybe 10 to 15 students at each cohort. Um, but, you know, they represent people from across Turtle Island. Uh, so uh, have, having a toolkit that brings up these general things and considerations that apply. And that's really what I want to come out of this Indigenous evaluation class is this collective, because I have this opportunity. Never time would I have thought that I'd be sitting at a university, you know, I co-launched the Indigenous Health PhD program with Dr. Donald. And, oh, you know, he's moved on to Hopkins and I'm sitting here with a space in this place of teaching majority native doctoral students. And I feel so very privileged and honored to be in a poem. They'll share a fun fact or something that made them smile this week. And so they have all of these resiliency tactics that they just ground themselves in a good place before they get to the work. And we've allowed that space for them to do that. And so I just feel very fortunate and really want to tap into the collective knowledge because I'm learning being in their presence, you know, just as much, if not more, than they're learning 
being in my presence. And I want to tap into that collective knowledge and try to bring it to Indigenous people across Turtle Island in the form of an Indigenous evaluation toolkit that really taps broadly on those considerations around ethical considerations, around the importance of positionality and knowing where you come from and how that impacts the process of the people that you're working with and owning that, you know, so the future looks bright for sure. It certainly does look bright. What an inspirational space. And I have to say, as someone who just finished a PhD a couple and a half years ago to say that they're feeling like they're healing in that journey. Wow. I cannot wait to read and to learn from this amazing collective of PhD students from your program. Yeah. And they are, they're really amazing. They're a poll. They'll share a fun fact or something that made them see tactics that they just ground them so they get to the work. And we've allowed that space for them to, to do that. And so I just feel very fortunate and really want to tap into the collective knowledge because um, you know, just as much, um, if not more than they're learning being in my presence. And I want to tap into that collective knowledge and try to bring it to Indigenous people across the island. Um, in the form of an Indigenous evaluation toolkit that really <clears throat> taps broadly on those considerations around ethical considerations, around the importance of position, you know, where you come from and how that impacts the process of the people that you're working with um, and owning that, you know, so I, I'm, I'm excited. The future looks bright for sure. It certainly does look bright. What an inspirational space. And I have to say, as someone who just, you know, a couple and a half years ago to say the feeling like they're healing in that journey. Oh, I uh, cannot wait to to read and to um, learn from, from this of, of uh, PhD students from your program. Yeah, they are. They're really amazing. This is such important work that you're doing. And, you know, by doing this, you're allowing me to breathe life into the process of evaluation at another level. So I thank you for that. Miigwech. I thank you so much as well for the generosity of the sharing that you have brought today. And I look forward to continue to learn from you. So wishing you a lovely rest of your day. Thank you. I'm so glad you spent time with us today. I have a few notes to wrap up this episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite streaming service, including Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, so that you don't miss an episode. Also, this podcast is self-supported, and I'm hoping to make the work more sustainable. So if you're finding the content interesting and valuable, please consider supporting Indigenous Insights through Buy Me A Coffee. You can find the link in the show notes. Finally, I would like to extend an invitation. If you are someone who has an interest in Indigenous evaluation and would like to have a conversation on this podcast, I would love to hear from you. Please send me a note and we can connect about your work, what you're learning, and the questions you're thinking about. That's it for this week. I look forward to sharing this space with you again soon. Ego safe.